0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's your host, Brett Allen of the Open Mic Podcast. And our guest today is actor Matt Walsh. Most of you know him as Mike McClintock from the Veep series, the Emmy Award winning Veep series, and starring Julia Louise Dreyfus and a bunch of other people. He's just had a long and iconic career as far as the things that he has done. He has been on such films as The Hangover. I mean, just some iconic comedies. And uh, he is the absolute best. We're going to talk to him today. Well, we talked to him today about his career, his approach, how he got started, and all of those fantastic things, and I think you're really going to gain a lot from this episode. People always ask me, how do I book these guests? Well, there are a lot of things that have helped me out building relationships, classes, but one of the things that I'm super thankful for is the six-minute networking course by Jordan Harbinger. That is what has helped me book some of these folks that you love and adore, some of these high-level celebrities, and just so many people who have been on the show. I highly recommend it. Just Google Jordan Harbinger six-minute networking course, It's absolutely free and it teaches you how to dig the well before you're thirsty, build relationships and all of that. This is not a paid ad. It's just something that's been super helpful to me and I think it will be beneficial to you. It's just really good for anything, honestly, that you want to use to build relationships, connect with people and that sort of thing. But I digress. This interview with Matt Walsh is the best. I think you're going to enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Thanks for listening and supporting the show. Be sure to head over to the Open Mic podcast.show dot show for all of the latest episodes and updates of guests coming on very soon enjoy today's episode and cheers idly hey welcome to another episode of the open mic podcast prepare to be astonished with Brett allen Third, we- so gonna party A pop culture podcast <gasps> Oh! at the open mic no topic is off limits great odin's raven
1: join in weekly as brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film television, television sports music and much more plus you never know who will stop by the mystic portal away now here is your host
0: brett allen I'm excited to talk to you. There's so many things that I want to cover, and I think one of the things that excites me the most is that you have a very large background in improvisation. Improv, you were a founding member of the Upright Citizens Brigade, and I've talked to a couple of actors and celebrities who have been a part of that kind of as a thumbprint in their career, if that makes any sense. But your background is really founded in that. So I want to start there and just kind of talk about the idea of improv itself. I I know it's markably different than like stand up, but how those concepts of improv play into your world as an actor. Is it something that you feel is a skill set for an actor to have, a background in improv.
1: I guess if you're good at it, it's great to have. Like like, uh, it's a special skill, or it's a it's a it's an approach that uh, you can bring to adding uh, information to any um, perhaps scene you're in. Those skills travel with you. But in general, I think I landed in improv um, because it's like a entry level acting, if you will. I was never part of a big acting program, and so a lot of what improv teaches you is basic acting and basic theater craft and collaborative scene work. So in some ways it was my theater theater degree without being a specialized art form for improvising comedy. Um, so either one, like obviously being trained in theater is super helpful for becoming an actor. And, and I think improv is like, a training wheels entrance into acting, which, you know, has, has different, um, you know, you learn a little bit more about writing on your feet perhaps with improv or departing from the, the text. But I think there's tremendous overlap in like improv training, working in front of an audience, doing scenes, collaborative scenic sketch work with uh, other artists. I think that's all in the same vein as theater.
0: Yeah. I find it interesting because with improv, there's just, it seems at least from my perspective like a lot more freedom in the sense of what you can do as a performer do you do you find that to be true as far as like if you're a stand-up you're delivering punchline after punchline after punchline but if you're in an improv group like yourself a very popular one and it seems like everybody (laughs) was a part of at some point in their career do, do you find more freedom when you're doing the improv type stuff as as far as that goes or Do you have a preference between that or, let's say, performing on the big screen in a film or perhaps a television series like you've done in the past as
1: well? Well, improv feels like pickup basketball. It keeps you sharp and there are no expectations of where it's going to go. And it challenges you every time you get on stage because it's ultimately hit or miss. It's a bit of a high wire act. And the beauty of improv is you're in a group and you don't have to carry the whole thing, whereas a stand up. Uh, even if you're improvising as a stand-up, you got to carry the whole thing. So those are some of the elements of what uh, I find unique about improv. And then, so I guess I do enjoy the fact that it can go anywhere and that sometimes you're forced into ideas, to embody ideas you hadn't expected or would never have chosen yourself, uh, much in the way a script lets actors play doctors when we're not doctors or whatever. So I think one of the most i guess simply fun things about improv is you it's so unexpected you don't know where it's going and it's also you tend to laugh a lot you're i think you're allowed to laugh in improv because it's i think everyone's along for the ride it's not like shakespeare where you have to stay (laughs) in
0: yeah i find that interesting it's funny you mentioned playing a doctor iconically your scene from the hangover uh where you're playing a doctor which not to focus the interview on that but i have to say as you've done so many funny things and amazing things, but that scene still stands out in my mind where you're in the doctor's office or the hospital and that whole kerfuffle is going on about those guys trying to, was any of that improv at all? Or was that all pretty much scripted? That That's just more of a personal uh, interest question. I think than anything else, if we're going to divert a little bit,
1: you know, I, I think there might, there might've been some like, paraphrasing but never any whole cloth improvising and then during the day with like Bradley and Helms and Zach and Todd who directed it I think Todd was trying new lines like what if you said this or do you have any ideas like I feel like this doesn't work so that that was happening as well but it was pretty it was pretty written in the scene coverage was decided before we got in there so we were kind of following what or fulfilling what hopefully Uh, the writers or the writer and the director intended.
0: Yeah. So fun. Cause when you see things like that, I find it so interesting because you say it's scripted and then I talk to other folks and they go, Oh no, that was completely improv. And I guess it's just done so well. And with a finesse, if you know what I'm saying, like you just really can't tell. And I think that's one of the many things that I find so fascinating about actors and this craft that you're a part of is just, it comes out so fluid And so naturally, you did a lot of improv. Did you ever give a hand at stand-up? Was that ever of any interest to you? Or did you just kind of bypass that phase and just do strictly improv and then into acting?
1: No, when I was in Chicago in the late 80s, early 90s, I did stand-up for a couple of years and got paid and worked in the Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, Illinois, Lake Shore, club. Yeah. The tri state area, and that was kind of the first boom of stand up. So there was a lot of opportunity for people who happened to be on stage already. So I was vaulted beyond my, you know, I I think I was middling or headlining before I even had like five, 10 minutes. It was crazy. But I always did character stuff. Like I would play a character and a point of view, and oftentimes would be improvised. But I did have a collection of jokes that I would try to fold into, you know, my act consistently. But improv or uh, stand up is. Is the most difficult art form. It's very. Uh, it can be very punishing, especially if you're on the road in Michigan and you just,
0: <laughs> yeah, you just
1: bid it on stage and you go back to your hotel room. It's a, it's a really challenging uh, art form. So yeah, I did, I did try my hand at that, and ultimately I kind of ended up doing what I do now, which is like character actor. I was always doing characters. I was always doing people with a point of view and not so much. Uh, opening up my personal life, if you will.
0: That brings up an interesting question, the idea of character acting. Again, just coming from an outside perspective as a journalist and, and watching things, I think everything that you do is a character, but is there like a specific definition that you have or that is put upon folks that play these different types of roles? And in other words, is it kind of like something that could limit you in what you do? Or is it, I benefit and kind of opens you up to a lot of other roles and a lot of other characters that you could potentially play?
1: I guess like writing and performing your own material is the best way to get your, vo- your voice best represented. So whether you're, you know, if you're Bill Hader or Will Farrell coming out of the groundlings, you're doing your own sketches and someone sees you and they have an idea of how good you could be in this TV format. I think it's the same pursuit is uh, I my training was in you know being in sketch groups doing open mics getting in front of an audience and then from those connections you know whatever you get a commercial director will be in the audience or a casting director will be in the audience and then lo and behold you'll get a call and you'll get to work on that and that will lead to like for me it was like the daily show gave me more visibility so I guess Strategy wise, as a character, someone who plays characters, exposure is what you want. And you want to step inside of things that you feel super confident about their funniness or their quality. And if you can have a hand in that, that's amazing. That's even better.
0: So you mentioned The Daily Show. Again, that seems to be like a badge of honor or a big stepping stone for a lot of people. When you started out on this Career path, and we'll kind of wind the clock back a little bit before that here shortly. But was that like a goal of yours to get onto something like that? And and once you got on that, is that where things started to break for you as an actor and really started to explode?
1: I think that was a big stepping stone for The Daily Show. It's kind of like your name, simply put, is getting announced every time. You're like, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Walsh. So you become a household name, if you will, Mm -hmm. to that audience. So In that way, as opposed to Veep, where I'm always Mike McClintock on that show, it really got my name out there. Like, or if you're on SNL and they say your name at the top of the show, you know, Tracy Morgan, it literally makes you a household name. So there is that direct connection to the audience that you are, you know, being announced as yourself. So that was a big step for me, but I didn't really have a, unfortunately, I've never had a really great You know, five year plan, 10 year plan. I've always sort of instinctively just tried to work with people I admire, write things for myself, and then, you know, try to perform as often as I could. And then hopefully say no to things that, you know, I didn't, I don't know. I've been offered things before where I was, you know, you manage yourself that way. If you're talking about career strategy, people will offer you a role. I remember there was a, a film that I think actually did well at Sundance too, but I was offered a role to play like, in a horror movie i'm just like a dad on a camping trip and then (laughs) and then he turns out to be like a child molester with a kid oh god wow something something really dark and i'm like pass never i'm never gonna go in there and i also i also hate how easy it is in fiction to like make somebody evil i always feel like it's lazy you know i could write anything and then i could make it a dramatic twist by saying uh Also, he's a Nazi or also (laughs) he's a child molester or also he's a criminal, you know, assassin. You know what I mean? Sure. I I totally get that. I think I know what film you're talking about. Actually,
0: it just kind of flashed in my mind a little bit. I I like that. And I've never heard anybody say that before. So do you feel like the writers are kind of maybe cutting corners a
1: little bit? I think maybe it's like the school teacher in me. It's like, come on, challenge yourself. Like there's so much. Sure. Pain and death and awfulness in the world. Like, really? Like, you're gonna yeah. create a story. And then all of a sudden, guess what? They're awful. Like, that's, that's just my worldview. And I'm not saying like, drama isn't as hard to write as comedy. That's just my worldview is how I see entertainment, Do you know? Sure. what I mean? Yeah. And so like, if, if someone makes a movie, which does reflect the world and, and comes from a real place where it's just like, peeling away another layer. And that's like, Oh, he's more terrible. Or she's more, Oh my God. And then they did this. I don't find that as rigorously challenging as like constructing something that makes a hero.
0: I like that. No, I think that makes sense. There's a lot of things that are on TV and especially lately in the last five years, not even necessarily during this crazy pandemic where there just seems to be a new show or something coming out every day, but you have these stories and they kind of peel things back a little bit. I like that because it makes me work as a viewer and tune in every week and go, okay, now I want to know what's going to happen next or what this person's going to get into next versus them just kind of telling me right at the front, he's this or that. Because then it kind of, as for me, I kind of lose interest a little bit and go, okay, well, now I know what's going to happen. And so I'm I'm going to watch it just for the sake of completing it, and I'm not a quitter when it comes to that stuff, but I kind of want to just work less at it, if you know what I'm saying, and go, okay, well, I know now what's going to happen, so it kind of takes the interest away a little bit, and I think I definitely get what you're saying, so that makes perfect sense, which kind of leads me to my next question. We sort of alluded to it a little bit. When you get offered things outside of what we just talked about, how do you decide or how do you figure out if a script resonates with you and allows you to get to that next step as an artist and go,
1: this is. film, But it was to work with Steve McQueen and Viola Davis. And so all you have to say is either one of those names. And I'm like, I'll do that for any, any, you know what I mean? Like those are real talents. And you, when you work with people that good, you learn, obviously you're going to learn. You also get to hang out with them and find out a little bit of their story. Uh, And also the quality, you know, the things they make are going to be high quality. And that's been, you know, a big thing that drives what, you know, anything from Veep because I knew Armando through uh, his previous shows in England. So any, you know, Todd Phillips, obviously I've done a bunch of things with he's a great director. I think one big choice for an actor is like, who are you working with? Like who's in it or who's directing it? Um, And then I think there's that gut reading of anything where you can see yourself playing it or you can't. And then sometimes people challenge themselves to accept those roles that they didn't see themselves playing. But generally, I think your gut, at least in comedy, if it makes you laugh a lot and you know that you get to play some of the funny moments, that's what leads you into um, scripts. And then obviously when you're starting out or middle career, you're very grateful to have most work, you know, you're very grateful to be hired as a comedian and an offer where you don't have to go in and audition and wait and go in for a second and third audition. So there's a lot of gratitude and you, I don't think you would ever take, you know, a terrible role where you have to play like the mailman who turns out to be a creep or whatever. <laughs> but Again. I think sometimes you're just so delighted to have it that you'll go yeah i'll do that that sounds fun you know
0: well i imagine anything that comes from todd phillips or that group of people would be an automatic yes (laughs) because yeah, like
1: i knew exactly right i knew zach i knew bradley and i knew helms so all those guys were friends already so it was like a fun you know that's the chemistry element of comedy like i don't think dramatic actors think necessarily like oh that'll be fun (laughs)
0: <laughs> set, I don't think so either.
1: Because <laughs> dramatic sets aren't as fun as comedy sets because drama, drama travels a little heavier. Like you're you're in the moment before it's a little heavier and perhaps if it's an emotional scene where you're crying and then they cut, you're still kind of crying afterwards. So there's this like general spreading out of heaviness that happens on the set.
0: I like that one of the things that used to happen for those listening that... I'm a little bit older. They used to do a lot of behind the scenes type things in these comedies. And sometimes they do it now. And when you're watching folks like yourself with that crew or anybody and you're doing your scenes and you're just doing them over and over again and you're cracking each other up and everybody's laughing to me, that seems like it would be a lot more fun as an actor to be on a set. I mean, not drama is not bad, but I get it because you can just kind of snap back into that moment. Or just keep going, right? And that's where those improv skills play in, I would imagine. Especially if you're going so long, maybe somebody like Zach is trying to make you or another actor corpse or laugh, which I'm sure happens all the time. So you have to really be on your toes, I would imagine, when you're doing any kind of comedy with people like that.
1: Yeah, you don't want to be the one who ruins the take, (laughs) No, especially if you're only there for like a day or two. Right, right. If you're there for 30 days of filming, then, of course, you get permission to goof off a little bit. But you don't want to be the guy that slows down production.
0: You've kind of established yourself in your career where people know who you are and they can approach you for certain roles. Do you find yourself going out for those types of calls anymore where you're going up against a few other people competitively? and if so, what kind of motivates you to want to go through that whole process versus just being able to just accept the roles that you want and just get an automatic yes?
1: I guess like in terms of like how I'm uh, proceeding at this point in my life, I spend a fair amount of time collaborating with people, writing things that I'll be a part of, or occasionally I direct things. So usually the things I'm doing now, I have a hand in. I want to shape it or produce it. I want to have a hand in it, and so by that, you know, litmus, um, I'm I'll, I'm allowed if the thing goes, if somebody says that's a great script or that's a great idea, then I'm allowed to be in it or I'm allowed to influence it. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like whether it's producing or acting or I like that TV or film, I like to have a hand in it. And I like to, everything from casting, like I enjoy producing because I think you can really influence the quality of what you're in. Uh, but yeah, casting, writing, uh, helping hire department heads, whether it's music supervisor or cinematographer. I like meeting those people, not that I'm directing it even, but I think that's, uh, I enjoy that because that every step of that creates a quality and a mood and a tone and you, you assemble this team. I forget, uh, there was a woman who worked with Robert Altman and he said that making a film was making a lab, was like making an elaborate sandcastle and she was a makeup artist for him. Bridget, I think is her name, she's great. His point being like you, you hire set decorators and script writers and actors and then some days all the actors aren't there and some days they are and some days the set is, you know, the big prom scene is set up and then in minutes it's over, they tear it down. So everything is set up for this very temporary flash of brilliance and perfection, and then it's gone. And so having a hand in all those elements is is rewarding, is is uh, is creative.
0: Yeah, and it's an investment
1: even further than just showing
0: up and being an actor because you're helping create something that will stand the test of time. and be around, hopefully, (laughs) and be around for for a long time in films that you can watch. And I think as a viewer, a lot of people like myself get that when we watch something because it's just done with such quality and just fantastic. It's just a lot of fun to watch. When you started out on your career as an actor, if, if I understand correctly, you were in college and sort of pursuing a degree in psychology and doing something completely different when you decided that you wanted to take on acting full-time what was the response like from family members was it a surprise Uh to them or were they just like go for it or like a lot of actors and celebrities like yourself they're like oh my god how are you going to pay your bills (laughs) telling jokes you know and that sort of thing.
1: yeah i came from lovely parents they were very supportive like my father uh was always like, do what you want, do what you love, you know. And and I think my mom would and they would come out and see terrible shows. I think <laughs> of the course. hard yeah, the things that like I look back and like, oh my god, we did a three-hour sketch show with no intermission. What were, oh, we, wow, thinking? That's a lot. What were we thinking? Or two-hour sketch show, maybe, but that's like, a lot. What were we thinking? And uh, and God bless my parents, they brought like 16 couples to the wow. you know what I mean? They were I very did. proud. Very proud and very supportive of uh, me pursuing a career in the arts. The thing that's hard as a dad now myself is to go, you know, when they visit my apartment in New York and there's four people living in a two bedroom and then there's like 16 plugs in one outlet and there's like cockroaches and they're like, oh my God, like they can't handle the poverty and the sacrifice that, you know, your dream requires. So my mom would always, when I was in Chicago, would ship me home with like trays of lasagna because you're not making a lot of money when you start. So you're just no. trying to get by. So I think that's the hard part for parents who want you to succeed, but also know how hard it can be or how long it might take.
0: Do your kids, we mentioned your family, man, huge supporter of family, which I love. Do your kids want to go into acting? Do they have any interest or are you just like dad and you do things and they kind of are a part of it and that's it?
1: I suppose my middle boy is someone who has real talent. Like he wants to start doing voiceover at some point. Like he likes comedy cartoons and things like that. So he has a real, like, I think practical interest, like, oh, he could make a living probably. And then in general, I'm my wife is an actor. So we're always like, yeah. Pulling them in to do things like of you're going to play, a ba- you're going to play a baby in this scene or you're, <laughs> you know, I've done audio sketches when I had an audio sketch show I was making and I would pull the kids into that or, you know, so and we do a Christmas show every year that the kids get to play elves in. So it is kind of the family business. So they are exposed to it. But, you know, our preferences is to keep their, you know, their innocence intact and their uh, childhood free from the stress of like getting a job or like nailing the part there's a lot of stress around that as an actor and i think protecting your kids from that as long as possible until they're ready to like there are some kids at young ages you know dakota fanning or whoever they might be that yeah. really, really want it uh, are really good at it and can handle the sort of adult roller coaster of that profession
0: right because the level of rejection in the industry is massive And the amount of people that come to Hollywood jokingly, as it's called, you know, to get discovered is extremely high. And I think, from what I understand, the percentage rate of people that actually stay is even less because it's just one of those industries. It's like a lottery job, you know, one in a million chance that you might make it or even get discovered. Or even, I think, like yourself, who's had a a budding career and, and a lot of success as a working actor and just kind of parlayed one thing into another and, and here we are. And, you know, you wind up on a show like Veep, which just has a such amount of success. You know, when you do projects like that, as we wrap up here, do you consider those types of projects to be lightning in a bottle and go, wow, that was an amazing opportunity. I don't know that I'll be able to do anything like that again, or do you just reset yourself and just get ready to take on the next big project that comes in front of you
1: i think you reset yourself i mean the truth is like veep was an incredible uh assembly of talent and writing and timing and support from hbo and uh public concern the fact that people were really in you know in love with the show or engaged with the show and the high quality that it uh, was made at uh that is a rare thing so i don't think i go into my next job thinking that uh oh this is going to be just like Veep. Like I, I do recognize the specialness of sure. the shows or those moments. And by the same token, you know, as an artist, you're just you're trying to challenge yourself and do things that push you and make you better or simply are gratifying, like whether it's you know, I've done things just to be on like Yo Gabba Gabba, which was a kid's show that my kids like. Oh yeah. I was just happy to be on it, you know, whatever. I would do anything to be on it. Or I've done a couple movies where, you know, we went to France and I, I was like, can I bring my family? And they're like, Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll do a movie in France. Do you know what I mean? Because it meant I do I could do a family vacation uh, with the kids and Morgan, and that was amazing too. So each each uh, project as it comes to you might have ulterior motives beyond like just pure artistry or a pure challenge, or pure, you know, expanding uh, your range or gifts, perhaps, or channeling your gifts into something different. But I think as it comes, you know, tomorrow, if somebody has a a script, I'll read it, and I won't compare it to Veep. You know what I mean? I won't try to see how Mike McClintock could fit into this thing. I'll I'll be an actor thinking like, is this? oh, okay, this is good. Okay, you know. I'll take it as it comes. Well, one last question as we wrap up here.
0: I want to ask you started out, you had a specific career path to get to where you are and things happened to you that were supposed to happen or didn't happen. But do you feel that it's easier, so to speak, for people to break into the industry today and become an actor versus when you started?
1: So if I was starting out now, unfortunately, COVID made it terrible oh
0: god yeah it would be horrible if that was your dream to go to la in january of last year
1: yeah and that's unfortunately i bet a lot of those kids just moved back to their hometown you know right and quit on it which i probably would have done too because it's like well nothing's happening um but in terms of like all the networks and platforms i think it must allow more access to more people it's gotta it just you know as opposed to three networks in the 70s and 80s. Uh, There just has to be more opportunity. But the same token is, is like, you're sort of needing now as a younger, or any actor, really, but as a young actor, you're going to need to have like, a YouTube thing and an Instagram thing. And you're still going to be auditioning. So you're almost like chasing more things to make the whole thing work. So in some ways, it's more hectic, like you're expected to like, keep up your social media presence. But on the contrary, like my personal experience, I moved to New York to get exposure. I think you could get discovered easier if you were making a quality thing, you know, out of your bedroom in Chicago, as opposed to moving to New York. So, Absolutely
0: love it. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well I think it's like, yeah, podcasting's another good example. Like you can, if you do a good show, you hopefully people will find it. And uh, you didn't have to go to LA to you know get your stars or get you know get your notice so in that way it's i think the technology has made it easier but i do feel uh, probably life in general is a little more hectic because we we're so reachable now all the time
0: i want to say thank you for spending your thursday afternoon with us and being a oh. part of the podcast i appreciate it
1: thank you brett yeah it was lovely